What is up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning into this. Super excited to kind of piggyback off what I started in the in the last podcast. I got again, I got Big T chilling with me this morning, Tanner Crawford. Do you like to say top of the morning to the fine people? Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is encouraged. Hope you guys are blessed. I pray that God is continuing to uh, reveal himself in new ways in your life. And I'm excited for this week's podcast. Man, that was the most Christian answer <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I don't know what you wanted me to say, honestly. <laughs> Christianese. That was yeah, great. I'm, I'm fluent in Christianese. He's, Christi- he's fluent in Christianese. You know I believe many, that. You know how many sermons I've listened to? It's it's embedded into me. I remember when I got out of Bible college, my pastor from New Mexico would laugh at me because when I would preach to the kids, I mean, I was just so like everything that I said was so cliche. Like <laughs> the Christian, I don't even know. I can't even give you any examples right now. But God is like this pencil. oh man all right y'all i'm excited to get into this again we've been talking about prayer and we're going to continue on that the series that that i've been going over that i told you that we were going to be talking about was five keys to answered prayers and the barriers for answered prayers and so again uh, as i laid a foundation last week you know, the Bible promises us answers to our prayers, that, that praying is not supposed to be something that that we just have this emotional breakdown and this little spew where we, we just say what we feel and what we think and, and nothing ever happens, nothing ever changes, nothing ever moves forward. That, that faith, when we have what the Bible considers faith, true biblical faith produces results, <clears throat> moves the hand of God. And so we're looking at that. You know, I, I looked at my life uh, compared to the scriptures and in the scriptures, I would see men of God when they when they said something, it happened. When they prayed something, it happened. And I was looking at my life like, Lord, what is going on? Why? Why is my life so different? Why is my my Christianity, my faith, my life so watered down compared to what I see happening in the scriptures? And, you know, through that. God began to show me. Uh, I used this kind of lame analogy, but you know, it was the first thing that came to my mind, and I and it worked, so I went with it. But you know, if I'm going to make fried chicken, I can't go to the store and buy just. I'm gonna I'm gonna get me a popsicle and some chocolate icing and some eggs, and I'm gonna make me some fried chicken. You can't do that because a popsicle and chocolate icing, you know, popsicle plus chocolate icing does not equal Kentucky Fried Chicken. It equals diabetes. It equals some problems. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and that's the same thing with prayer, you know, is that God has actually given us specific things. And I wish that people would see that, that the Bible is not meant to hold you down, to suppress you, to keep you down or to restrict your life. The Bible is given to us. The word of God is given to us so that we can succeed, so that we can prosper. That God has given us instructions. When you look through Deuteronomy, when you look through when the Lord gave his people Israel the commands, he says, if you do these things, if you adhere to what I'm telling you, if you take these commands and you live by them and you speak them and you live according to them, I will bless you 
Everything that you put your hand to will be blessed. Everywhere that you go will be blessed. Everything that you do will be blessed. Your towns will be blessed. Your fields will be blessed. Your animals will be blessed. Uh, I mean, it's just so amazing. Read through Deuteronomy 28 and see the blessings. You know, you, you open the first, the first chapter in the book of Proverbs, and the chapter literally begins by saying these Proverbs were written to give wisdom to the young and, and to give in, basically to teach people how to ri- live rich and successful lives. You know, and so we, we need to start taking the word of God in that form that, hey, God is literally giving me ingredients, giving me keys, giving me instructions that will produce supernatural results in my life. And you have to understand that, too. You know, Jesus said the enemy comes to steal. The enemy comes to kill. The enemy comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you would have life and life abundantly. God does not put restrictions on our life to take away from us, to steal from us, to hold us back from good things. If we could understand that when we open the Bible and we had that pretense that, hey, whatever this book is telling me to do, I have to trust that God is trying to lead me to a rich and satisfying life. It's trying to lead me to a Psalms 23 where David said, my cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. That is God's intention. And so when God gives us an instruction, you know, what if it's hard? What if I'm living with my girlfriend, I'm living with my boyfriend, and I read in the scriptures where I see that that's a direct violation to the word of God, that that sexual immorality is wrong, and that, you know, Paul said that those that participate in this, (coughs) excuse me, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I can be mad about it, I can be offended about it, and I can be like, man, I really care about this person. I really, I'm in this situation. This is what I want to do. We could take that approach or we could understand maybe God is asking me to go in a different direction, to give something up, to do something different. And it's not to hinder my life. It's to bless my life. Amen. You got anything you want to add to that? No. And so with that, again, I'll bring it back. God has given us specific instructions on how to make things produce in our life on how to have breakthrough in our life. And and that's what we're going over with these keys to prayer. But again, what we do is we just try to do it our own way, the way that we think it should be done. Uh, We spin our wills working and trying and, and trying to figure out if I can just work harder, if I can be better. We look at a problem, we look at what we're doing and what's not working. And we, we think, well, if I can just adjust these few things, then, then this thing will start working right. No, that's not that God has given us specific instructions and we will never get the specific result unless we follow the specific instruction. Again, you you know, you may you're not going to have fried chicken with popsicles and chocolate icing. You have to have the specific ingredients to get the specific result. So I want to show you some of those in scripture. Last week we talked about uh, well, not last week, last podcast. We talked about the first ingredient was speaking and confessing it out of your mouth. The first barrier was uh, wrong motives. And and also how your life follows your words. And sometimes you can actually be canceling the blessing that God wants to give you by what you're speaking out of your mouth. And today, I'm going to go right into this. We're going to be talking about ingredient number two, key number two to answered prayer. And this is one of the most misunderstood but most important things, in my opinion, uh, 
in the entire Bible and our entire existence and relationship with God. And that is number two, you must have faith. Amen. We're talking about how do I have, how do I receive answers to my prayers? You must have faith. I'm going to show you a scripture here. Matthew 21, 21 through 22. Jesus told them, if you had faith and do not doubt and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Verse 22, you can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. That blows my mind that you think, what is faith? If we had what the Bible calls faith, this is what blows my mind and is so crazy. Jesus said, if we had what the Bible calls faith, we could pray for anything. You know, I want you to think about that. How big is anything? We start limiting God and we put God in this box of what he can do and what he can't do. And and we think that God is just so mystical and ethereal and and that we try to handle things in our life, and God doesn't care about this, this little aspect of my life. God doesn't care about what I'm going through. God doesn't care about little things like the fight I had with my wife or, or my finances or these little things that, that we think. And we take God and we put God in this box when Jesus said, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. I'm going to put the responsibility back on myself. I want you to think of this. Take an inventory. Have you ever prayed for something and it didn't happen? I think that a lot of people listening would say, yes, I've prayed for things. I've believed for things and they didn't happen. Well, here's we have two options now. If you find yourself in that situation, you have two options. Either A, you can you can do what every other Christian does and start trying to basically apologize for God and say, well, you know, I know that's what the scripture says, but if that, if that was true, then how come, and then you can fill in the blank, how come kids are still sick? How come people still die? How come, you know, I prayed and and it didn't come through what, 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 what I wanted to happen didn't happen. How come? And we start bending the scriptures and saying, Hey, I guess God didn't really mean what, what he meant. And we try to water it down and make it fit our understanding Or we could take number two and say, Jesus said, if I had faith, anything that I prayed for would happen. If I prayed for something and it didn't happen, maybe I don't have necessarily what the Bible calls faith. Maybe what I think faith is and maybe what the scriptures actually say faith is are actually two different things. And I'm sitting here wondering why what I'm doing isn't working, but yet I don't have this true ingredient. I don't have what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about true, genuine faith. I'm going to I'm going to kind of answer the question. How do we have faith? What is faith? And there's so I'll, I'll go ahead and give you this little insight and we'll go. We'll get back to it. What? is faith. There's so many different definitions and preachers that tell you this is what faith is. This is what faith is. This is how faith works. I want to basically tell you, in my opinion, what, what and what I believe the Bible teaches, a simple definition of faith. Faith is the absence of doubt. Faith is the opposite of doubt and unbelief. You, If you don't have to 
figure out how can I get faith and how can I grow? You, the, the focus is not necessarily how can I get more faith? We need to be focused on how can I actually get unbelief out of my life and out of my mind and out of my heart? Because your faith isn't what's restricting you. I'm going to show you scripture in a second. It's not about the quote unquote amount of your faith that's preventing you from ans- from having answered prayers. It's actually unbelief. I told you we were going to talk about keys to answered prayers, but also barriers that will hinder your prayers from being answered. Do you have anything to add with the faith? No. Tanner's just chilling, sitting here, hanging out. That's all right. That works. I mean, I have a lot to say, but this is your podcast. <laughs> Man, I, I value anything that you have to add, and you feel free to do it. Um, <coughs> so Jesus said, you could pray for anything, and if you had faith, you would receive it. Man, that just encourages me. That makes me think, whatever this faith is that the Bible talks about, that's what I want to have. Whatever this thing is that Jesus was saying, that if I had what is called faith, I could literally pray for anything and I would receive it. I want that in my life. This is what Mark 11, 22 through 24 says. I want to show you, kind of answering the question, what is faith? What what was Jesus talking about when he was referring, uh, referring to that? Mark 11, 22 through 24, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. 23, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. So Jesus, how we would read that is Jesus said, if you have faith in God, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Keep continuing in that verse, verse 23, but you must really believe it and have no doubt in your heart. Verse 24, he repeats it again. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. There's two different aspects of the scripture I want to talk about. First is in verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. If you have faith in God, how we would read that, you can speak to this mountain, you can command it to move, anything that's standing in front of you, any giant that you're fighting, Tanner preached an awesome message last night to the youth about defeating giants and and having faith. You can speak to these obstacles and watch these obstacles, these things that are hindering you, holding you back, coming against you, be removed. And so what I actually want to show you is that is it's translated have faith in God, but the original is not have faith in God. The original is actually have the faith of God. There's a difference between having faith in God and having the faith of God. Let me reread that passage real quick to you and with, with that inserted. Jesus said, have the faith of God. If you have the faith of God, I tell you the truth, you could say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. What does it mean to have the faith of God? Let me ask you this question. Do you think God doubts when he speaks that what he says is going to happen or not? Absolutely not. You know, when, when we, we look at creation, Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. Was God sitting there and said, you know, he has one eye closed and one eye cocked open and he's, he's kind of sitting there not sure, oh, let there be light, you know, and he's squinting and he's looking, I don't know, maybe this will work, maybe this won't work. Absolutely not. God knows he is supreme. 
He is literally, he sits on the throne of the entire universe. The Bible says that the word of God never returns void. God has absolutely, uh, absolute certainty when he speaks, it will happen. Amen. I mean, that, that is so amazing. Jesus said, if we, so if we could have put that in our life, right, we're, we're always wondering, we, we pray these prayers, we stand in faith, we declare these things. But Jesus said the key to moving mountains, the key to having answers to your prayers, having the same faith of God that when we speak, we know because of our standing in Christ, because of what we've been given, because we understand through the word of God that Jesus said, look, I give you authority over all the power of the devil, the same authority that Jesus had, he placed on us. And now we're actually seated in Christ. If we understood the fullness of that revelation, we could have the faith of God that says, Mountain, I speak to you and I tell you to move. I'm not asking if, I'm not asking maybe, I'm not asking but. When I tell you to move, you move. We understand authority. You know, I'm telling you that that, that we understand our placing, our ranking, that every demonic spirit is ranked lower than us now. Think of the military. Tanner, you were in the military. You know, when that when the drill sergeant instructed some basic dude that just barely came in to do something, he understood his authority. He understood when he snapped and he said, you go there, that you went. And there was no doubt. I mean, the, the, he operated and spoke and acted in that authority because he knew his place. He knew where he stood. And that's what Jesus said. If we had the faith of God, if we understood the authority that we have actually been given, we could speak to this mountain and command it to move. And if we had no doubt, that mountain would move. But the problem is we doubt our authority. We doubt we, we don't fully comprehend that. You know, we let the, the things that we that we're facing actually frighten us and hinder us and, uh, do you have anything to add to that real fast before I continue on? You know, I, I think that, you know, it's like what you said, you know, and when I preached last night about David and Goliath, you know, we've all heard the story, but an interesting perspective to, to go from is that that giant didn't just step into David's life. David sought out that giant because that what that the, the giant, it said that in the Bible that the giant would literally come before the army of the Israelites and would mock God and would mock them. And so David, David wasn't sought out by the giants. David was literally a demon hunter. <laughs> David literally went and stood in the face of this giant and killed him. Why? Because he had an insurmountable faith that was so much greater than what Goliath possessed as far as skill goes. Right. And I think that so often what we do is we allow things to intimidate us. And, and our first response is fear. And one of my points last night was we have to choose faith over fear. And I think that having the faith of God really enables us to do that. Absolutely. Amen. You know, I want you to think about this. I kind of mentioned it last week, but you know, prayer, we're talking about prayer and faith and declaring things. Jesus said, if you spoke like this, if you acted like this, if you commanded like this, you understood your authority in faith through the word of God. He operated in that. Uh, the the best analogy I've ever heard is prayer is like ordering an Amazon package. Okay, that sounds crazy, but you think I'm gonna jump on Amazon and I'm gonna buy me a phone case? You know, I sit there, I search through it, I place 
I, I click on the product and I go to checkout. I, I, I go to the checkout section. I put my card in. I fill out the information. I go through the steps. I go through the things that I'm supposed to go through. And whenever I hit send, a little screen pops up, right? And it says, your order has been confirmed. And it gives you like a estimated delivery date, all of those things. That whenever I hit send, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that that package is on its way. Would you guys agree with that? That that's the type of faith. That's I want you to think of faith. I'm not trying to use a Christian word, but that's the type of faith that we have in the internet and in Amazon. I mean, I'm not calling Amazon the next day when it says my order will be there in five days. Right? <clears throat> I place the the order. The next day, I'm calling Amazon saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't remember the CEO of Amazon, but you couldn't talk to him anyways. But just for the story, since you call the the leader of Amazon, and you're saying, "Hey, Mr. Amazon, um, I just want to make sure that that you that you got my order." And he says, uh, "Yeah, Mr. Wallace, we got your order. It's on its way. It'll be there Friday." Okay, I hang up. Tuesday, I call Mr. Amazon. Um, me again. Uh, I just want to make sure. I know you said that 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 if I I completed the steps, I did what you asked me to do, and I paid for it, and it's been confirmed. And I just want to make sure, though, it's still coming. Like, yes, Mr. Wallace, it's still coming. I hang up. Wednesday, I call back. Uh, it's me again, Mr. Amazon. That, that seems ridiculous. But that's the exact same thing that we do with God. That's the exact same thing that we do. You know, I want you to think about your burdens and your worries and your stresses. Jesus said, bring all who are heavy laden, who are heavy burdened, bring them to me. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. Cast your burdens on Christ at the feet of Jesus. Come boldly to the throne. And we do that. We'll come and the things that we're praying about, we're believing for, if it's bills, if it's sickness, if it's a trial we're going through, we'll come and lay those things down. But then what happens an hour later? We're picking it back up. What happens the next day? We're coming to God like, I don't know if you heard me, God. I'm not sure if, you know, and we keep repeating ourselves, repeating ourselves. When Jesus says, stand in the authority of God, you spoke to it. Now believe that you have received it. I, I want to show you that that ties into with what I'm saying. In, in verse 24 of Mark 11, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. The Bible doesn't necessarily say, believe you're going to receive it. It says, believe you have received it, that it is on its way to you right now. Not maybe, not if, not but, that if you pray and you stand in the authority of God, you stand like in the faith of God and you speak to the mountain and you and you bring the, uh, something to the Lord, you speak it out in faith, the way that you receive it, you believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. I'll show you the scripture real quick. Acts 3, 7 through 9, 7 through 8. I read this one day and the Lord tied these scriptures together and it changed everything for me. <clears throat> Acts 3. This is when Peter heals the, the lame man, the blind he wasn't blind. I'm sorry. He heals the lame man outside of the temple where he says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have, I give to you. So this is Acts 3, starting in verse 7. Then Peter took the lame man by his right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And so this is what the man did in verse 8. He jumped and stood to his feet and began to walk, then walking, leaping and praising God. And he went into the temple with them. 
I'll never forget the day that I was sitting at my kitchen table and I was reading that through Acts. And the Lord spoke to me and said, John, this is how somebody acts when they receive a blessing. This is how somebody acts when they receive a miracle. And it, you know, and all of a sudden it just, uh, it was a seed. And I remember I was driving in my car a few hours later and the scripture popped up that Jesus said, if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. And God says, how does somebody act when they receive a miracle? How does somebody act when they receive a blessing? And I was in my car. I threw my hand up, not both hands. That would have been bad. I threw my hand up. And I began to thank the Lord and said, God, thank you so much for that thing that I was believing for and for that thing that I had brought to the Lord in prayer. I started thanking God and rejoicing and shouting and hollering and praising God like I, like that thing that I was believing for was sitting right in front of me, like I had just received what I had been believing for. But this is what we do. Somebody comes and they're sick and we pray for them. Yeah. Oh, how many know uh, God is good? Praise God. Uh, yeah, I'm just believing for a healing. I'm believing for uh, a breakthrough. And if you stop with that mindset, you know, do you believe you'll pray for somebody to be healed and they're like, yeah, uh, praise God. Yeah, it feels that's not the way that somebody acts when they receive a miracle from God. You can tell whether somebody really believes or they don't by the way that they act. Man, I'm telling you, when this man got lifted up and he was lame his whole life and his legs formed and strength came into his spine and to his legs and he walked for the first time, nobody had to tell him, give the Lord a shout. Nobody had to tell him, give the Lord some praise. It was a natural byproduct of what he received from God. He rejoiced. He began leaping and shouting and praising God. And I'm telling you that if we understood what Jesus said, have faith, speak to this mountain, if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Maybe our praise is a reflection that we don't really believe we've received anything. We're sitting here wondering, why aren't things getting better? Why don't I have it? Why hasn't this happened yet? You don't really believe what Jesus said. Again, we can't just, we have to do what he said in order to get the result. The scripture says, believe you have received it, have the faith of God. This will go into the barrier. Uh, before I do, Tanner, you got anything to add to that, man? Nope. We're still right along here. Okay. So let's look at the first barrier. So the key is, I told you, the key to answered prayer, you must have faith. Amen. Amen. So hopefully looking at that, that's just a little insight. Again, there's like hundreds of scriptures we could talk about. Uh, in regards to faith, but I just wanted to give you a practical one of this is what faith looks like. This is the, I want you to understand and come into the revelation and say, maybe I haven't been acting like that. Maybe I haven't been believing like that. Maybe I haven't been speaking like that or engaging in my faith in that way at all. And I'm telling you right now, again, it's not rocket science. We do what the scripture says and we can expect the results that the scriptures promise. So let's look at the barrier. So the key to answer prayer is faith, but the barrier also in Mark 11 that he mentions uh, to answer prayer is unbelief. So let me show you again, Mark 11, 23. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it and have no doubt 
in your heart. Tanner, let me ask you a question. When Jesus said no doubt, how much is no doubt? Zero doubt. Right, yeah. (laughs) Look how easy that was. Zero doubt. So if I have 99% faith and 1% doubt, that's too much doubt. That is too much doubt. I want to show you. uh, And and here's a statement. Doubt, actually, doubt cancels unbelief. I'm sorry. (laughs) Doubt cancels faith. I was looking at my notes until I got scrammed. Doubt (laughs) Doubt cancels cancels unbelief. (laughs) Doubt cancels faith. You know, it's it's not one outweighing the other. I don't know. I'm no chemist. I mean, I was horrible. If if Miss Brohart in Lovington, New Mexico, ever listens to this, I'm sorry. I was not a better student in your chemistry class. I was horrible at chemistry. But you know, one thing that I did understand is that that there was different chemicals, different reactions you could put together. One one would actually neutralize the other where the other one was not able to have its chemical reaction that it that it would neutralize and just stabilize and do nothing. Doubt neutralizes faith. That you cannot have faith and have doubt at the same time. I told you I would try to explain to you what faith is. Here's my explanation. Faith is the abs- faith is having zero doubt. Having true faith that the Bible talks about is having no doubt, zero, not 1%, not 0.5% having zero doubt and 100% faith. Uh, I want to keep going into this. Mark 6, 5. Mark 6, 5. Okay, Mark 6, 5. It says this. So this is when Jesus entered into his hometown, right? So Jesus, he was on a tour. He was going town to town, traveling. He sent the disciples out. He was doing ministry everywhere. Jesus came to his hometown, and it says this in Mark 6, 5. And because of their unbelief, Tanner, can you say unbelief? Unbelief. I want you to see this in Scripture. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. You know what's so crazy to me? Jesus came, and he could. the Bible doesn't say he didn't want to. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus came and he was mad and he got offended. And, oh, my gosh, how could these stupid people? I'm God. Who do they think they are? I'll show them. I'm No, that's not his attitude. It says that Jesus could not do any miracles there except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. The fact that Jesus actually ended up healing a few sick people, to me, indicates that he was actually trying to heal, trying to operate uh and walk in the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit like he had been doing everywhere else, and he was unable to. Like He would try to, to lay his... It's crazy to think that God was not able to do something, the creator of the of heavens and earth, and, and that's the same mentality that we have. When we actually... I hear people say this all the time, that, that, that they're not receiving breakthrough, that they're not getting results, that they're not getting the answers that they're believing for, and they're saying, well... Uh, if God wanted me to do it, if God wanted me to have it, he'd give it to me. If it was God's will, he'd give it to me. It was God's will to heal, and he could not because of their unbelief. Unbelief cancels faith. And so again, we need to question ourselves and ask ourselves and ask ourselves this. If we're not receiving answers to our prayers, is it because 
You know, is it because God doesn't answer prayers? God doesn't move that way? Or do we need to start looking at ourselves and saying, do I have what the Bible calls faith and do I have unbelief? Because I can say I have faith all day long. I can say all the right things and do all the right things. But if down in my heart, I have unbelief and I'm not 100% certain I have 1% doubt and 99% faith, I Jesus says, that you cannot have any unbelief. He could not do any miracles because of their unbelief. I want to show you Matthew 17, 20. Uh, again, this is the same scripture about the mountain that, that we've read, but these are just different accounts. The ones in Matthew, ones in Mark. So his disciples came to him and they were trying to cast out a demon and they were not able to do it. And so Jesus looked at them and and they had said, Jesus, why weren't we able to cast out this demon? Why weren't we able to do this? What I love about this is that Jesus didn't tell them, hey, you know, you couldn't cast this demon out. You couldn't operate in authority because it wasn't God's will because uh, you're not anointed enough. You haven't been given enough. He says you are not able to do it because you don't have enough faith. Other translation says because of your unbelief. You are not able to lay your hands on the on this boy and heal him of epilepsy in the form of it was a demonic spirit in the form of epilepsy because of your doubt and because of your unbelief. And he goes on to say, Jesus told him, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. Amen. You know, the Lord spoke to me about this. Jesus said, if you had faith, so it's not about having a mountain of faith. You can have a mustard seed of, you know how small a mustard seed is? Mustard seed could fit on my thumb print, on the on my thumb and be just a little speck. A little speck of pure concentrated faith that has absolutely no doubt is powerful enough to move a physical mountain. But I remember that uh, about a week ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, You know, a mustard seed of pure faith, of what the Bible calls faith, can move a mountain. But you could have a mountain of faith and a mustard seed of doubt, and you'd be able to do nothing. Zero doubt means zero doubt. I want to challenge you this morning. Work on getting unbelief out of your life. How can you do that? I'm going to tell you, Two practical ways. This, is, this isn't in my notes. I just want to give you two easy things to do. Two things. First thing is the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The way that you're going to build your faith, purify your faith, simple tools. I'm going to go into uh, fasting is another way, but I'm going to give you two this morning that you can start doing right now with you know little understanding, knowledge about, in a nutshell, these are two things you can do. Uh, The first thing is, again, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Get into the word of God and build your faith. Refine your faith. There's so many promises. Uh, What it means by faith comes by hearing the word of God. I read through my Bible, right? I'm sitting at my kitchen table. I'm going through the, the book of Romans. I'm reading through the book of Romans. All of a sudden, I get to a verse. I get to Romans chapter 8, where it talks about, the, the Holy Spirit, and it talks about how I'm no longer a slave and I'm a son and and it, and my I have been adopted in and this realization comes to me 
where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives me faith and I believe that I see this promise in the word of God and I have the faith now saying, whoa, hold on a second. I have access to something I didn't know about. I have a promise and it's just unveiled to me and all of a sudden faith comes and now I can start operating in that revelation I've just received. So that's why it's so important to get into your word. Not only read your Bible, but I'm telling you, fill your life with preaching. You know, I know this is sad and it used to be true, but most of Christians uh, word or whatever they would consider is, hey, I, I drive to work and I'll turn Caleb on and I'll listen to a, a good old, you know, Caleb Christian song. Faith does not come by singing songs. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now, in the older songs, there was a lot of scripture you know, that I think some of them do have rich theology. They're wonderful. And I'm like, man, I could see how this could build someone's faith. But unfortunately today, what I hear on the radio a lot of times is like, oh my gosh, what are we even saying? This isn't even in the Bible. Uh, and so it's so important for you to build your faith, get in the word of God, you know, get, I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. There's other podcasts. There's other ministers that know way more than I do. Start feeling yourself building your spirit, building your faith, just saturating yourself with the word of God and grow your faith. And as you grow your faith, you'll start refining and getting rid of unbelief in your life because the product of unbelief is bad doctrine or something that grandma told you or granddad told you and, and that you just assume that this is, this is the way it is because you heard some preacher in the backwoods say it when you were six years old and it's actually nowhere in scripture. And so you can counter unbelief by replacing it with faith. That's a very practical thing that you can do. Start building your faith too. begin to speak. I talked to you last podcast about using your words, uh, that your life will literally follow the direction of your words. And so if you want to get rid of unbelief, stop feeding into it. Stop saying the wrong thing. Stop believing the wrong things. Take the word of God and begin to speak to it. Stop accepting, well, it's just that time of year and, you know, everybody has allergies and we just all get sick. And uh, even if you're feeling sick, stop saying that. Stop feeding into unbelief and doubt and start believing what the Bible says. Say, no, I'm healed by his stripes. I am healed in Jesus name. Man, I'm, I'm battling with these symptoms of sickness. Speak to the symptoms, speak to the mountain and say, this is what the word of God says. I command you to break off and move in Jesus name. Start speaking and start saturating yourself with the word of God to get rid of unbelief in your life. That if you stop feeding into unbelief with your words and you start speaking faith, I promise you, you will start seeing unbelief being replaced by faith in your life. Uh, I want to show you this last thing and I'll, and I'll be done here. But we think of doubt and unbelief. I, I want to lay this out there. Trusting in anything other than the Lord is unbelief. This may sound radical. I'll tell you a story. You know, I was reading this book by John G. Lake. It was revised by Gordon Lindsay, who started Christ for the Nations. But it was originally sermons and writings from John G. Lake. And he had talked, uh, it, the book was entitled Dominion Over Disease, Death, and the devil or dominion over sickness, disease, and death. I don't, something along those lines. And I'm reading this book, and John G. Lake, one of the greatest healing revivalists that, that of, of our century, that 
has walked the face of the earth since the Holy Spirit's been poured out. Amazing man of God. You know, he had a radical position in, about healing. One time he was preaching this sermon and he asked everybody in the room, he said, how many of you have put your trust in God? You know, everybody's hand raised because it was church, obviously. So then he says, how many of you have taken a pill in the last three months? You know, half the hands went up and he says, then you have not completely put your trust in God. I know, again, the flesh, that's not the normal thing that you're going to hear. Well, that's just crazy. You're telling me that, you know, not to take medication and not to not to do all of that. I'm telling you, putting your trust in anything other than the Lord is actually unbelief. That if I feel the need, again, it's just safety nets. Well, you know, I believe... I believe the Lord is my healer. And then the first time we get a headache, what? Popping some ibuprofen, some Advil. We're not trusting in God to heal us. We're trusting in the ibuprofen or the Advil to take the headache away. That we automatically default to trusting in all these other things. Oh, I, I trust the Lord to keep me. That Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. But then look, as our trust, as our, as our future built on the foundation of trust in God, are we trusting in our retirement and our 401? Is it wrong to have a retirement? Is it wrong to have those things? Absolutely not. But what I'm telling you is that if we took an inventory of our life, we could actually see, hey, maybe there's areas of my life that I'm not, I'm not really fully trusting God in. You know, we trust in our paycheck. We trust in our, our nine to five. We trust in our routine and what the numbers that are in our bank account, whether we can or what we can't do. The, the God's telling us to take a step of faith. Hey, I'm wanting you to step out and, and, and foster some kids. I'm wanting you to step out and, and sow into this ministry and help plant a church. I'm, and God tells us, tells us to do these radical things. Then what's the first thing we do? We look at our bank account and say, well, I don't, uh, uh, maybe let's, let's put, let's get on a five-year plan. I need a vehicle. I need a house. What's the first thing we do? Well, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go sit down and uh, I have a meeting scheduled with the loan officer and with the, with the credit union. And we're just going to discuss, you know, interest rates and, and, and all that. We, we have our trust built on the system of the world and our trust is not built on the Lord. That's a radical uh, position to take, but I'm telling you that the fact that that, that is the truth in most American Christians, there's no wonder we're not seeing supernatural things. There's not wonder. There's no wonder we're not seeing God moving according to our faith like we did in the Scripture, because Jesus said, "If you have doubt, if you have unbelief, the mountain won't move, the breakthrough won't come, that we won't see the supernatural." And we say we have we have faith. We say that, oh, I'm not doubtful. I believe God. But if we actually took an inventory and looked at our life, do we really believe God? Let me show you this. This is crazy. The last scripture I have, James 1, 6 through 8. It says this, but when you ask him, we're talking about prayer. When you ask him, being God, when you ask God, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Not in God and my doctor, not in God and my job, not in God and the prescriptions I'm taking. Make sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. 
For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Guys, if we're going to continue living a life where we halfway trust God, but we halfway trust the little securities the world promises us, the Bible tells us we shouldn't even expect to receive anything from the Lord. That may seem radical. That may offend to some. But I really hope that that word settles in deep. And then we come to a crossroads where we say, okay, you know what? Either I can continue to go down the path I'm going in, which is a lie in contradiction to the word of God, or I can take some radical steps here and begin to trust God the way that the scriptures tell me to and believe for the results. Jesus told me if I trusted God in this way, Jesus told me if I made the Lord my shelter, my refuge in Psalms 91, that sickness would not come to my house, that no plague would come against me, that I could walk uh, free from the fear of the arrows that fly by the day and the disease that stalks by the night, that I wouldn't even hurt my foot on a stone. Read through Psalms 91, but look at the parameters. It says, if you make the Lord your shelter, if you trust in the Lord, if your trust is in God, we say, oh, my trust is in God. Look at our life. Is it really in God or is it in halfway in God and halfway in the systems of the world? And then we line it up with James where he says, hey, if your loyalty is divided, make sure that your trust is in God alone, because if it's not, you shouldn't even expect to receive anything from the Lord. That seems radical. But again, my second key today, I'm going to wrap this up, is that you must have faith. If you want answered prayers, if you want to start seeing things breaking through, you're wanting to move forward in life, you're wanting to start seeing supernatural things take place, you want to go where no man can take you, where no degree can take you, where no man can open a door, you want to operate at that level in life, then we have got to have what the Bible actually calls faith. I'm not telling you this uh, as if I've made it, as if I've, you know, just am in such a place in life that is astounding to millions of people. But I will tell you this, you know, I'm 24 years old. God has opened up a door for us to senior pastor at church. God has supernaturally provided funds for us to not have to take a loan out from a bank and pay interest rates to purchase a building that we're in. Just supernaturally provided for our church, uh, for my life, open doors that no man could open. I had people tell me, You know, I would never really pastor. Nobody would ever hear what I had to say at a young age unless I had a master's degree, you know, this thing, that thing. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just telling you, I have personally seen God open doors in my life that I haven't seen him open in other people's life. And I'm not saying because I'm better this or that. What I'm trying to say is because God, God's word really works when we put our faith in God completely. When we trust in God completely, and I hope that that encourages you, and I want to see a generation of of believers rise up that operate in biblical faith. I want to pray for you right now. I have Tanner with me, but I'm going to pray. If you want to put your trust, if if, if you are listening to this and you're saying, man, I'm not living right. You know, if Jesus came back tomorrow and I stood before God, 
I don't know where I would go. If you don't know where you where you where you're going, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to the right place. You're going to the wrong place. You don't have to know that. Uh, if you're if you're just looking at your life right now, saying the life that I lead is not aligned with with what the Bible tells me I am to be, what I am to do, that I am living in sin. Repent. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what you did five minutes ago, what you did yesterday, what you did last week, what you've done every day for the last five years. You can repent. Repent is not saying you're sorry. You can make a decision right now to say, God, I repent. I confess those sins and I turn and I will not go back. I will not, I, I will not participate in these things anymore. And by doing so, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I confess that he is Lord. I confess that he died on the, the cross for me and that he has, you have called me a son now, that you've placed your spirit inside of me and that now I am a new creation in Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. Lord, take my life and make me an instrument for your glory. Make my life line up with Romans 12, where you said the true way to worship you was, was with the lives that we live, by the way that we live our lives. Make our lives line up with, with what Paul told Timothy, that we could be instruments for special use. We strip off every sin, every weight that holds us down, and we move forward to run the race that's been set before us. If you want to put your faith in Christ, just repeat everything that I said. Make that confession. Jesus says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not some. doesn't matter your past. You can repent today and come into salvation. The second thing that I want to pray for, you know, the devil has been coming against me, trying to bring, I've been walking in divine health for a year now. And, and the second that, that I start pushing this message, it's like, you know, a test comes. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for everybody that's battling with sickness. I want to curse. I want to show the devil that he's not going to put sickness on the body of Christ, that it has no place. And so right where you're at, if you have, I don't care if you have a headache or if you have stage four cancer. I don't care if, if you have a broken bone or maybe your just back is aching because it's cold outside. I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. Lift your hands to heaven. In Jesus' name, I command sickness to leave and to flee. I curse it. Be gone right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Just begin to thank the Lord. Father, thank you for your healing. Thank you that you've healed us, that you've paid that price. By your stripes, I am healed, Lord. Thank you. I give you all the glory. I rejoice in you. I feel healing coming upon my body, and I believe it's coming upon everybody that, that raised their hand, that made that confession to receive that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, so much. If you have any testimonies, feel free to message us. We're going to put this up on uh, Spotify, on Apple Music, on Facebook. Uh, let us know what God is doing. Let us know what God has done uh, and, and what the Lord is doing through your life. I'm believing for supernatural testimonies to come through. When people start walking in faith, as the Bible uh, tells us what faith is, and, and we line our, lines, our lives up with that, what we're going to see take place. But God bless you guys. I love you. I'm praying for you. Uh, and thank you for listening. Be blessed in Jesus' name.